the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. And along with many of you today, I am sad about the loss of Vin Scully. And uh, you've probably heard a lot of clips and uh, seen some news. And if you grew up in uh, the Los Angeles area, Southern California, I think probably anywhere, if you're a baseball fan, you definitely are feeling it today. And um, we wanted to take some time today and hear from you about that. So you can give a call right now if you want to share your thoughts, your memories about Vin Scully, 888-528-2557. We want to take a little bit of a different take. You know, we want to hear from you and We want to mourn together. It's a strange thing. It's a strange thing to be affected by the death of somebody you didn't know personally. I've been thinking about that a lot today. You know, and sometimes we we get to we feel like we get to know somebody. I feel like I've lost a close family friend. And maybe I'll get into that later. I really you know, want to hear from you. I've heard lots of people today comment, lots of emails, I've heard some other shows. And some different things. The number is 888-528-2557. If you want to give a call, 888-528-2557. That's 888-LA-TALKS, 888-LA-TALKS. It's a strange thing to be affected by the death of somebody else, but it really does feel like uh, a friend. Vin Scully, we should keep in mind, had his own family and personal friends who were dear to him. He has kids, grandkids, great-grandkids. His wife passed away about a year ago. He was looking forward to being with her. He had a public life that we we know so very well, but also a private life that was important to him. And he would he would talk about that as the most important thing. There are lots of lessons we can draw from Vin Scully, and maybe you've learned something. Maybe you just have a moment that you just remember that was so important to you, not just because of baseball or the exciting moments that we have, but the you know, a moment that was family. A moment that was you got to share with your dad or with your mom or with your siblings or somebody, a grandparent maybe, where listening to Vin Scully is something you'll always remember. And um, as we talk about that, like all of us, his life included tragedies and triumphs, and we all walk through those things with those who are close to us. So I am thinking of his family, and if you're part of his family and you're listening today, Uh, I want you to know we've prayed for you, and we love you, and uh, we know you're going through it, and there's a way that uh, today we mourn with you, and we're told to mourn with those who mourn. So we're going to do that, but also celebrate. He was 94, and uh, he lived an incredible life. There was He got the uh, Medal of Freedom. President Obama gave him the Medal of Freedom, and this is what President Obama had to say about him. The game of baseball has a handful of signature sounds. You hear the crack of the bat. You've got the crowd singing in the seventh-inning stretch. And you've got the voice of Vince Scully. Most fans listen to a game's broadcast when they can't be at the ballpark. Generations of Dodgers fans brought their radios into the stands. 
because you didn't want to miss one of Vin's stories. Most play-by-play -play announcers partner with an analyst in the booth to chat about the action, then worked alone and talked just with us. Since Jackie Robinson started at second base, then taught us the game and introduced to us to its players, he narrated the improbable years, the impossible heroics, turned contests into conversations. When he heard about this honor, then asked with characteristic humility, are you sure? I'm just an old baseball announcer. And we had to inform him that to Americans of all ages, you are a old friend. I think that's exactly right. I think that for a lot of us, he's an old friend. He is a friend that you could tune into at different times of the day and maybe even in tune out from the different things that were going on and watch a ball game. Or if there's something major going on in the world, he could tie that in because you're thinking about it. It's in the background and he could bring that to the story of, of baseball and the sport. And in a way, Vin Scully transcends the sport. You know, if you weren't a baseball fan, if you didn't listen very much, I know that that's uh, some of you listening, and that's all great, okay. But you probably have noticed how much time is being spent uh, given to him today. I was watching the news last night, the local news, and most, I think, of the Channel 5 news, it was Vin Scully most of the way through. Channel 9 and then 11 o'clock, I watched a couple of stations. I think uh, on the NBC News, I want to say it was 15 minutes of Vin Scully, a couple of, by the way, there was a couple of election things going on and a couple of things in L.A. and uh, now back to sports. And, uh, you know, I think that that's a, it's an impact that a person has. But, you know, there's, there's baseball announcers everywhere, sports announcers. There's all kinds of people in the public eye that we hear and we, we know and we see these people all the time. And we like them and they have, you know, followings and stuff. But there's something unique about Vin Scully. Maybe it's because he's the best. I was talking with Wilbert, our producer and earlier and we were remarking how if you're a sports fan in Los Angeles you got Bob Miller for the LA Hockey Kings who is the best hockey announcer ever if you're not into hockey you may not realize that but we had the greatest he's still alive he's not uh, doing the games anymore uh greatest hockey announcer ever he was a magnificent Chick Hearn for the Lakers who passed away a long time ago now but you know there was nothing like watching a game with Chick Hearn describing what was going on with the Lakers and everything. And the, the rhythm he had and, and everything was, was great. And then, of course, Vin Scully, who has been around for, for most of you listening, Vin Scully has been on the air for your whole life. My dad one time, uh, he moved out to Phoenix in the year 2000 and kind of moved away from um, the L.A. thing. And didn't he probably didn't listen to a lot of uh, baseball anyway. It wasn't always my dad's thing. But we had a youth pastor who listened to uh, the Dodger game all the time down the hall from my dad's office. His name was uh, Tim. Tim might be listening. And I remember that. I remember going into the church office, and you'd hear Tim talking back to Vin Scully about stuff. And so into the games. And so you really didn't have to watch the game if you uh, were around Tim. He'd tell you, and Vin Scully would be there talking about it. And uh, my dad said to me one day, uh, a few years ago, before Vin Scully retired, he goes, he's still on the air? Yeah, 67 years, 67 years Vin Scully was on the air. And in my family, it's something that, that matters because 
it ties together five different generations. I've been I've thought about how profound this is, and I think a lot of this might be true for you. If you want to call up and share your thoughts about Vin Scully, a memory that you have or how it affected you or your family, how his life did, what you're feeling today, give me a call, 888-528-2557. Join our conversation by calling 888-528-2557. My uh, great-grandmother, I got to meet my, I got to know my great-grandmother, I got to know two great-grandmothers. They both lived to be 101. One of them, at least, probably both of them were Dodger fans, I'm guessing. But one I really got to know, Edna was her name, and uh, she was a Dodger fan. And I, I remember her as a as a little kid. We'd go visit her. Um, and the I only have a couple of really good memories. I really loved her. She loved me. And she had this red transistor radio that she would use that to listen to the ball games on. And she just loved the Dodgers, and she loved Vin Scully. Uh, it's a, uh, a profound thing um, to kind of remember that as a kid. But I, I didn't get to know her that well. Her last few years uh, weren't really that great. But what is important to me about her is that, uh, and not just her, but my, my family connection to the generations. My grandfather on my mother's side, his name was Bud. Actually, his name was Ellis as in Ellis Island, Ellis James was his name, and uh, or James Ellis. Mom, you have to remind me, James, one of them. Anyway, he went by Bud. Hey, Bud. You know, that was, you know, people go by Bud sometimes. I never met him. He died uh, seven years before I was born, five years before I was born. But the stories I hear about him are about the Dodgers and about going to Dodger Stadium with his mother-in-law, my great-grandmother, who I knew, Edna, and sitting up there listening to Vin Scully and thoroughly enjoying Dodger games. And what's, to me personally, what's just kind of interesting is that the picture I have of my grandfather, who I never met, in my mind, the, the image that has developed in my mind, the photograph developed in the, the dark room of my gray matter, is my grandfather enjoying a Dodger game with my great-grandmother, and listening to Vin Scully and just enjoying that. Now, for me, of course, growing up in the L.A. area, growing up in Palmdale, Vin Scully was on all the time. And you love Vin Scully. And he's he just he's in your head. You go to a ball game, if you go to a ball game anywhere, not just uh, Dodger Stadium, but if you go to Petco Park and watch the Padres, if you go watch the Angels, if you go to uh, Phoenix and you want to watch uh, that team over there, you um, have his you know, things going through your mind. You know, it's like... Everybody, welcome to Petco Park, and welcome, we're here with this game. And you just start to talk in that rhythm. That's kind of what uh, I remember uh, a lot. And there are there are so many memories that I have in 19, and that matter for family. In 1982, uh, the Dodgers lost their chance to go to the playoffs on the very last day of the season. And there were a couple of things going on that day. Uh, and I was you know a little kid, so I didn't have a perspective on a lot but the I'd gotten into sports. The Dodgers were my team. And I remember listening to Vin Scully throughout this game in my front yard. I had this stereo system with these big, huge, what seemed like 500-pound speakers. And I would prop them up on my bed so that they would point out the window. And then I could play wiffle ball in the front yard. And so I was doing this and listening to the game. And that game, if you are a fan of baseball, you know it, it didn't go well. There was the the tragic event of Joe Morgan hitting a home run, uh, I think, in the eighth inning. 
and uh, knocking the Dodgers out of the playoffs against the Giants, the dreaded Giants, the last day of the year. And I remember standing and kind of hiding behind a tree so that nobody would see me if they were going down the street. And I'm bawling my eyes out. And then Vin Scully is going on about how all of a sudden this could mean, and it did mean, and he was right, that this would be the the last time that Steve Garvey would ever be in a Dodger uniform. Could this be Steve Garvey's last at bat in a Dodger uniform? And I remember just him having to talk through that. And I'm crying. Now, what I didn't know is that my mother was watching this through the window. I couldn't see in. And she was trying to decide, should she come out and comfort her son who is crying about something? She said, when she told me about this, she thought maybe I got hurt or something. Then she realized, no, he's listening to the game uh, when she figured out what was happening. And you know what's funny is that I'm so glad that she did not come out, actually. You know, I love my mom, and it would have been fine. But, you know, you're kind of that age. You don't want your mom coming out. And you know, I didn't want anybody seeing me. It's a private, private moment. But it was sure good to have Vin Scully there. It's a, it's an interesting thing that I remember that fondly. So it's so much more than, than just the game. It's so much more than just a few things. This is uh, Steve Garvey making some comments today about um, Vin Scully. Well, you know, every city, every great city has sounds to it. And Los Angeles has had one clear sound, and that's been the voice of, of Vin Scully. Uh, all these years uh, and I, I think some people have roads named after them other people have you know towns or mountains or rivers uh, but then was above that his his voice has resonated the Dodgers have been phenomenal in keeping his voice around the stadium coming in and leaving and uh, and to hear that every day when people walk into Dodger Stadium is a feeling of comfort that they've come home as fans to Dodger Stadium and, and Vin is there in spirit. It is, uh, I think we all are, are feeling that today. If you are, give me a call. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join our conversation. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. 888-528-2557. And we, you know, Los Angeles especially, but I think all of the Southland and a lot of uh, the country today, we're thinking about uh, Vin Scully, not because we just love baseball. You may not be a baseball fan, but because we have a sense that of loss, maybe something that has always been a part of who we are. Uh, we feel like we've lost a friend. That's certainly how I feel, that a friend has been has been lost. I was talking about how he connects generations of my family. So I've got my great-grandmother who loved him, my grandfather who I never met, and my image of him is listening to him. And then times that I listened to him as a kid and even as a family – we didn't go to a lot of baseball games as a family. We went to a few. I went a lot with friends, and uh, we had church trips and things like that. We didn't watch a lot on TV. My, we tended to watch more, you know, if it was the World Series, my parents would tune in, and they weren't really into the regular season maybe as much as I was. You know, I had baseball cards, and I had all that stuff going on. And But, you know, there are times when you just – have a time as a family where even if you're not into the sports that you might be watching or whatever it is, you enjoyed that part uh, about being there. And one of the memories I have is of Kirk Gibson's big home run. Do you remember where you were 
it's kind of uh, one of those where you were moments if you are a a Dodger fan or a baseball fan. You know, where were you when Gibson hit his home run? You know, a lot of the time we put those where were you moments, we attach them to tragedies. Where were you, you know, when 9-11 happened? Where were you when, if you're old enough, if you talk to people who were around when Kennedy was shot, they can they can talk about that whole day. My parents can talk about where they were, what phone calls they made, when they saw it, when they heard the news, all of that kind of stuff. If you're a baseball fan, you know where you were when Kirk Gibson hit that home run. It sounded like this. And look who's coming up. All year long, they look to him to light the fire. And all year long, he answered the demands until he was physically unable to start tonight with two bad legs, the bad left hamstring and the swollen right knee. And with two out, you talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. So the Dodgers trying to catch lightning right now. Three and two. Sacks waiting on deck. But the game right now is at the plate. That moment, if you remember that, was huge. Now, you also remember that that moment didn't really happen that way. That that at-bat, if you ever get a chance to watch that whole at-bat, just watch the whole thing. It's magnificent. And all of the play-by-play and all the different things. And if you're not aware of what why it's such a big moment, part of it, the biggest part of it is because Kirk Gibson, who was the uh, Dodgers uh, outfielder, he was injured. He wasn't supposed to play in the game, and both legs were bad. He was the MVP of the year, but his knees were bad. He couldn't really play. He was not even on the bench when the game started, and it's kind of this Hollywood moment where all of a sudden he was able to get up and and hit this home run. Um, Vin Scully talked about this um, in some further detail, and it is you know, another piece of Vin Scully that I think we remember is his ability to tell stories, his ability to take you beyond the game, to take you to a place where um, you get beyond just what's happening on the field, where it isn't just about the stats and the figures and those kinds of things. You get an opportunity to hear what really is going on? And Vince Scully talked about him and he, this event that day, and he said this. The interesting part, naturally, about that was what I didn't know. I mean, I'm sitting in the booth, and it's uh, we're going to commercial. And so we're coming up on the bottom of the ninth, losing. And I said to the producer in the truck, would you do me a favor and follow me? Most of the time, you don't do that. You let the producer... Because let's say in California, the producer is talking to New York. Okay, in following the game, the news in New York will be on this hour, the news in Chicago, the programming in Los Angeles. He's got a lot. But I said, please do me a favor and follow me. So they did. And they came out of commercial, and the dirigible was up there above looking down at Dodger Stadium. And I said, if you were here tonight, the first thing you would do right now is look into the Dodger dugout. Wham! Up came the shot of the dugout. And the camera started to pan the dugout. And I said, obviously, Kirk Gibson is not there and will not be playing tonight. I had no idea where Kirk was or what he was doing. 
he was sitting on the dressing room table in the dressing room and he was looking up with ice bags on both legs and he was looking at television he was all alone and when I said obviously Kirk Gibson will not play tonight it struck whatever a nerve it did something to him and he let out a bull loney and threw the ice off <clears throat> and he hollered to the clubhouse guy tell Tommy I'll be right down there well I don't know anything about that and the game is going on and going on and then out of the corner of my eye I said look who's here and here he comes hobbling and if I had to label that home run it was the most uh, theatrical home run uh, later it was the most surprising I guess but it was the most theatrical he's not going to play he's not here oops here he comes limping well you know he's got the bad leg and I do remember uh, it wasn't a prayer exactly but I remember saying dear God let him let him hit the ball don't let him strike out. He's had such a big year. He's done so much, and it's the national stage. You know, good fly ball would be great, you know. And then he's hitting those little squirrely ground balls, and you can't run at all. And then when he hit the home run, of course, that was... Uh, I, I had a lot of trouble sitting down. For You know, the nervous energy exploded. But it's happened a couple of times. That gave me that momentary, where it came from, God must have sent it to me, about in a year that's most improbable, blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah, that, that was a big night. There is always so much more going on. And what really happened to that event, maybe I'll play it later on, but when that home run happened, Vin Scully had a certain amount of wisdom, and the wisdom was not to talk. So he says it's gone, and then for 68 seconds, he actually doesn't say a word. So if you're watching these on TV, they keep showing this clip, and you hear him say it's gone, and then, and then he says his famous line, in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. He actually doesn't say that if you watch the broadcast for 68 seconds. And the wisdom of that was I remember sitting there with my dad on the couch and my mother who was behind us who was doing some chores who just stopped, and we, we all were there in stunned silence watching Gibson hobble, hobble around the bases. And it was important to, the strangest thing is it was important to our family in that moment that he didn't say anything. It's a discipline. It's a wisdom to not open your mouth. It's a hard wisdom for people like me who are on the radio or people who are pastors and we have to keep talking. But he had that that opportunity to say a whole lot and he didn't. And it was pretty smart. You know, there's a lot about him and his personal life that we can think about. And uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit more when we get back, a little bit about his faith. And uh, we're going to have uh, a pastor join us where Vin Scully had attended his church uh, at different times and who knew him. And so we'll talk about that as soon as we get back. We'll also take your phone calls. If you've got a thought about Vin Scully, what you're going through today, a memory that you want to share about your family, your experience, or maybe just what you're feeling today. If you're sad or just want to celebrate Vince Scully, give me a call, 888-528-2557, la Talks, 888-528-2557. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. I'll be back as the Wednesday edition continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow, your host. Good to be with you today. The number is 888-528-2557 if you want to join our conversation. We're talking about Vin Scully, who passed away yesterday at the age of 94. And for many of us, uh, the voice of the Dodgers is much more than just a baseball announcer, but somebody who has been a part of our, our life, a part of 
um, kind of who we were, part of our, our family. And I want to talk a little bit about about faith. You know, when we talk about somebody like this, we don't really know. We don't often know about their faith or uh, different parts of their life. Uh, Vin did like to talk about uh, the Lord, and uh, he said a lot of things like this. The only thing that helps me going 67 years, as I said last night, is the grace of God. Let's face it. And that's out of my hands. The Lord has blessed me. He gave me this job at such a youthful age and allowed me to live and do it 67 years. What am I going to say? Darn it, why didn't I get number 68 or anything like that? No, I am totally at ease. Uh, I am so thankful, grateful. I've enjoyed every minute of it, believe me, every minute. On the phone right now is with me is Sean Thornton, Pastor Sean Thornton. He's the senior pastor of uh, Calvary Westlake. And uh, Sean, thanks for joining me today. Great to join you, Scott. Yeah, tell us about uh, your connection with Vin Scully. Well, Vin uh, and his wife uh, were uh, part of the Calvary family. More his wife, Sandra. Sandra attended Calvary on a weekly basis until her health began to be challenging a couple of years back. And then she went to be with the Lord uh, in December of uh, 2020 and uh, was a part of her memorial service in January of 2021. Or excuse me, yeah, 2021. And um, while she attended here, he attended another church, St. Jude's, a Catholic church here in Westlake. And uh, yet they had this pattern on um, the Christmases and Easter's. They would go to each other's churches together. So they would come to one service here and then go there together on those two holidays. And there would be times I'd have a chance to chat with him. There was a time I was in home and their home and spent some time with them. Uh, there was a one occasion when he came to do a, he was going to read a Christmas story for all of our all of our kids. We gathered a couple thousand people on our front lawn, had snow, and we we're going to read the story. But it snowed, it rained so hard that day that we had to stay inside for a while. Vin and I did while kids were out there, and we had to put up a tent so he could read under the tent. And so he and I kind of got stuck in a little room together, just the two of us, for about an hour, hour and a half. And it was a delightful time. So I've gotten to know him over the years, just these interactions and. He pretty much is what everybody has described him to be. That very character is the one I interacted with as I interacted with he and Sandra over the years. So you feel like he was the same guy in person as you might have seen on television? Definitely, definitely. And uh, same cadence to his voice, same gentleman spirit, same graciousness. Um, I've interacted with some pretty well-known people over the years, and he's one of those that when you're around him, uh, never made you feel any different than than just uh, a person, another person. You know, there was no there was no airs about him. While he was stately and gentlemanly, there was uh, no sense that you were uh, any less than he was, and and that was just a great quality about him, and and an amazing sense of humor. I mean, an amazing <laughs> sense of humor. Yeah, he had a lot of uh, his jokes. Even if they're bad, they were good. Yes, and part of it was the delivery with the, you know, that steady, deadpan kind of voice. I don't know how to explain it. And I, I, you know, I, I've only lived in the LA area about 15 years, and even that time I got trapped in a room with him for about an hour, and we're just waiting out the rainstorm, and we're just chatting. I remember saying to him, you know, I grew up with Harry Carey in the mm -hmm. Chicago area, and I knew that name with the Cubs and the White Sox at one point. I said, but 
you know, I came out here and you are like a star and there are probably, you know, a thousand men out there with baseballs who grew up with your voice who would love to be in this room during this rainstorm with you asking you all kinds of questions about this call or that call or that game or this game. And I don't have any of that. I'm so sorry. And we laughed about that. And, uh, but just, just a gentleman, uh, gentleman. And I do believe a true follower of Christ, um, mm. you know, it's not always about what church we're a part of or not a part of. It's what we do, of course, with Jesus. And even that clip you played about his trusting in the grace of God, I think that was not just about his everyday life, but it was very clear to me that uh, he and Sandra, while they went to different churches, shared uh, a faith in the same great saving grace that's found in Jesus Christ. And uh, uh, I so appreciated about him that he had a, a simple, clear faith in Christ as well. You know, I that's really good to hear. And I've thought that, you know, in his life, you know, he went through and you wouldn't know it, I think, if you if you didn't, if you weren't told some pretty bad tragedies at different times. Mm-hmm. Uh, his his wife, uh, his first wife, uh, died in a medical accident in uh, uh, 1972, and uh, his son Michael died in a helicopter crash uh, the day yep. after the Northridge earthquake. Uh, yep. I, I didn't know about that. Did he ever speak to you about uh, those kinds of personal things? Uh, mostly my conversations, even if then was present, would be with Sandra, especially around mm-hmm. the death of his son. Yeah. Uh, she shared some of that heartache, and he, he would confirm it. I know uh, when I was a part of Sandra's memorial, it was very important for Vin that uh, uh, they remember Michael and that, um, you know, it, it, you know, his memorial for his wife, it was so obvious, his love for her. And I think that his personality, his style, that character that people talk about and the people knew him much better than I did. Some of the sports figures and other sports casters. I know Ross uh, Porter is a part of the Calvary family and a, mm. a dear follower of Christ and worked with him for years with the Dodgers. And when they talk about him, I think those tragedies you're describing and others going back even to his childhood and stuff, I've just heard different parts of that that really – he was the type of person who was resilient, even though his heart was broken and those different things have happened. Um, he seemed to grow in his character and his strength in life and his love for those who were, who were still around him, his family, his kids, his wife, Sandra. And uh, he grieved so deeply her loss uh, during mm-hmm. that, that time of the memorial. And so uh, while I didn't have deep conversations about those things, you could tell that that shaped who he was. And even around her memorial, he remembered those that had gone on before. And I think he was at a stage in his life since that time in early 2021. I talked with and prayed with uh, a couple of relatives today. And I know he's been aching to be home at heaven uh, with Sandra. And, uh, you know, he, I'm sure the stage and age of life was, was ready to step into eternity. Yeah, I believe that he, he knew that. I heard somebody else talking about that today who talked to him a couple of months ago. And he said he was basically waiting for his turn, and he couldn't wait to go uh, be with his wife. And yeah, actually, when I asked him how I could pray for him at her, his wife's passing, he just said that the Lord will only keep. Kind of, he said that the Lord won't keep me here one day longer than I need to be here. Kind of a thing was his comment to me, and that was what he wanted me to pray for him because hmm. he wanted to be with her. And so that's that's there's something sweet about that as well in a man like that. That that's a big part of it. Well, and I think that it's he's not defining himself by his Hall of Fame profession. No, no. He, you know, he never, in my presence, I, I have a couple of really funny stories about Vin because his humor is so great. Yeah. Uh, 
I think it was Easter of, uh, this gives you that kind of, the, he, he, that fame was not something he leveraged or held over others or used to, you know, keep others at bay or whatever. He, I remember there was an Easter, I think it was 2017, if I remember right. We, we had multiple services, the 7 a.m. service, our early service on that Easter morning. He and Sandra would always come early to whatever service they're going to be, and they'd be sitting there 10 or 15 minutes early, which is not a typical Southern California thing, but right. again, reflects his character on time. You know, they're not going to be late. And they were sitting there, and I saw them, and I went back, and opening day was the next day that year, and I knew there was a game that night, Easter night, and opening day was the next day. I can't remember the exact date. And I came up to them and just greeted them, and I said, uh, I said, well, Happy Easter, and they replied, Happy Easter. And I said, uh, I don't know much about baseball. I don't know much about that. And again, I'm a lifelong Cubs fan. Not, not, I recently become a Dodgers fan. I said, uh, well, tomorrow's a big day. It's an important day. It's, it's a really, really big day, isn't it? And he looked at me and he said, well, uh, today's a really big day, too. I started trying to get in the baseball world. And I'm thinking, oh, I, I thought, oh, no, maybe the Dodgers are playing tonight. And I'm a little confused because I think I'm talking baseball with him. And I said, well, I'm sorry, why Why is today such a big day? And he just, with his steady voice, looks at me and he says, well, I don't know if you know, Pastor, but uh, today is the day we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hmm. And I felt so small. <laughs> this, was, this was like 10 minutes before the first Easter service, which if you can't preach Jesus on Easter as a pastor, you might as well hang it up. Right. And here I'm trying to get into Vin Scully's world and talk baseball with him i knew the next day's opening day and i knew there was a game that night and but i'm talking about the next day being a really big day for him and it was at a time when it was known he was still going to be the voice of the dodgers that year but there were a lot of questions about the next year and so i thought i'm celebrating what might be his last opening day and he turns it around and says well today's a pretty important day it's the day we celebrate the resurrection of jesus christ and uh, and, and one, that was humor, but two, again, it was it, it points to the kind of man he was and how important his faith was. He and Sandra shared a deep faith in Jesus, and uh, that was very important to him. That is a great story. It's so encouraging. It's so funny. You know, as a pastor, too, he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he did that to me in that same room that night. He was going to read a children's story. I had our team that on that. That was a snow event before Christmas, big Christmas event when it was pouring rain, and he and I got stuck in the little room that I weighed in to go out to, to services. It's just a small room with a little table big enough for two people, and we're sitting there. And I had gotten our team to give me a few books for him to read, little Christmas stories he's going to read to the kids. He'd agree to do this. And I showed him these books, and he said, well, just give me a few minutes to look at these, and I'll pick one. He picked one. He said, after a little while, I slid across the desk, and he said, uh, that's the one I'd like to read, Pastor, to the kids. And I was kind of curious. One was about a donkey who saw the birth. One was about a star that twinkled. And, you know, these children's books around Christmas, they weren't heretical, but some of them were just mm. children's stories around the birth of Jesus, emphasizing the animals and the you know all this. And I said, oh, that's a nice book. Why did you pick that book? And he said, well, um, of these books, this is the book that tells the Christmas story the Bible way. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> He did that to me on a Christmas, and he did it to me on an Easter, where I'm like, so why would you choose that book over the other books? And he basically said to me, well, this is the Christmas story from the Bible. I'd like to read that to the children. <laughs> and he kind of had a little smirk, a little, uh, uh, you know, like he was, he oh, yeah. times with the that Easter and that Christmas. He knew what he was doing, and and I loved it because it also made him human. Mm-hmm. It, wasn't, it wasn't like he was messing with me or insulting me. 
it was like he pulled up beside me and laughed with me yeah. a couple of times and um, made me feel you know comfortable with somebody of his stature and and uh, uh, I just I will never forget those kinds of interactions with him again I wasn't a personal deep friend I've been with him in the sorrow of his wife's uh, passing I've been with him on some major holidays a couple other times but each each glimpse I had of him and I know there are a lot of Dodger fans out there who may not have gotten a chance to talk to him and think why was a Cubs fan given those opportunities but each opportunity I had. I was really blessed by him, uh, by his his spirit, his his uh, just the kind of the persona of who he is. It's kind of a lost thing in American culture: a gentleman's gentleman, a kind man, uh, but uh, uh, a man with resilience and uh, strong ethics and uh, and compassion. Just uh, you could just see that in those kind of little interactions and the times that he made me laugh so hard with those yeah. interactions. Pastor, i got to take a break. Are you able to stay with us over the break? Yeah, sure. All right. My guest is Pastor Sean Thornton. He is the senior pastor of Calvary Community Church in Westlake. And we're talking about Vin Scully and his uh, relationship with Vin Scully. And uh, we'll continue this conversation as soon as we get back. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. And I'll be back as soon as we can get back here on the Wednesday edition of Southern California Live. Stay tuned. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5. KKLA. And people say, how would you like to be remembered? And I think, I'd like to be remembered as a good, honest man, uh, a good husband, a good father, a good grandfather. I'm not even thinking about sports announcing. No. So uh, I guess I just don't think about it, really. That was Vin Scully talking about how he would like to be remembered. And such a humble man. With me on the phone is Pastor Sean Thornton from the Calvary uh, Community Church. He's the senior pastor of Calvary Community Church in Westlake. And um, he had, Sean, Pastor Sean, had the opportunity to get to know Vin Scully. He and uh, his wife attended his church. And, um, you know, on our program, Pastor, we try to take these things and be able to go a little bit deeper and really ask some spiritual questions, even of things that don't seem to be spiritual. Um and what we can learn from them. I'm I'm noting today that people around Los Angeles, especially, but around the baseball world, or if you grew up with Vin Scully, it feels like you lost a friend today. It's painful. Uh, and I never met Vin Scully. One time I tried to meet him, and I ran up to the press level at Dodger Stadium as a kid, and he I got there right after he walked by, and all I saw was the back of his head. Um, you know, when you think about this just, uh, you know, pastorally, you've shared some stories about uh, how he um, was able to transcend being who he was and just be a guy at your church. Um, what would you teach your congregation about this? If you say something on Sunday, what kind of thing would you say about Vin Scully and what the church can learn from a person like him or the response that people are giving him today? As I mentioned, you know, his wife was here every week. He was a part of another church on a regular basis, but they came here on special occasions. Yeah. I was in their home once and had some other interactions. And kind of the way I interacted with him was kind of unique because I had somewhat of a pastoral role in his life and with his family, but I saw more of these snapshots. And this it's kind of like a slideshow rather than a movie for me. And But each snapshot or slide is just what you heard him say, uh, in that clip you played where he said, uh, how would I like to be remembered? I'd like to be remembered as a 
a man of honor, an honest man, a kind man, a hardworking man, a good father, a good husband, a good grandfather. I mean, remember he said in that clip you played, and I haven't even talked about anything about sports or baseball. I think that's the persona he gave off wherever he went. It was more about being the person he should be, the best person he could be in terms of his kindness, his character, than about uh, his career. His identity, even though the, the whole L.A. area, like you said, the whole sports world right now, feels this loss and we still identify him with sports, you're right. There's something unique about him because his identity wasn't really about sports or the Dodgers. It was about being a quality person and a kind person and a good person that made him uh, close and endearing to people who would never meet him only maybe even hear his voice and maybe see him at a distance at some event or at a Dodger game. And so I think that's the thing I would talk to people about is he was a man who is totally identified with the Dodgers. Maybe he's Mr. Dodger. Um, and yet his identity was still wrapped up in who God made him and his relationship to his God, his relationship to his wife, his relationship to his family, his neighbors. He's truly the kind of person who loved God first and then loved whoever was in proximity around him with the kindness and compassion that anyone should show another person. And his position, his posture, his fame never caused him to lose sight of his identity with God, with his family, um, and his responsibility to his fellow human beings in terms of being a loving neighbor. I think that is a good word there, Pastor, for all of us, because we get tied up, or, you know, our yeah. identity is such a thing, right? And so much of our identity gets wrapped up in our resume and not in who we are in Christ or who we are as a husband or uh, a father or mother or son. Um, and I think we can learn a lot uh, from a guy like Vince Kelly. I think also in our polarized world, uh, while there could be strong convictions we can hold, he is also the type of person who shows us, because I knew him to be a man of conviction as well. I remember seeing him on a commercial, I think maybe for the L.A. Children's Hospital one time, and I, I found myself smiling and thinking, why am I smiling? I was smiling because it was someone I knew supporting a very good cause, asking people to give to help children who have to go to the hospital in L.A., but a man who meant it, not just because mm. he was famous, but he cared. And I, I think in this polarized world we're in, where we can have strong beliefs and convictions, and we can debate those, we still need to be loving and kind. And, and that's just what Jesus would do. And I think Ben exemplified Jesus in that way. Like I say, I smiled when I saw him on that TV commercial uh, asking for resources for the L.A. Children's Hospital because he was the right kind of spokesman for that. His life matched what he was asking others to be a part of. That is so powerful when you think about that, that you know, our character matters to the people who know us. Yep. And, yep. You and know, it matters to the people who barely know you. Right. You know, in his case. In his case. He, he, yeah. I don't think anybody, I remember talking to Ross Porter once, who worked a lot with Ben years ago, and he said, you know, he didn't say mean things to a co-worker. He didn't undermine others. You know, the traditional, even stuff in the workplace that a lot of us can get caught up in and make excuses for, Ben didn't do that. And that that is something we need in this groaning, broken world right now with political polarization, with uh, families kind of upset with each other over different postures and positions and people screaming and marching and all the different things we've got going on. 
we need to have a lot more Vin Scully's. I was grieved not only for the loss of someone I knew and had seen uh, as a follower of Christ, but also for a man, I think, who really did make a difference by his presence on the planet. Yeah, I think that might be a lot of what we're we're feeling in our grief today, is that we know we need more Vin Scully's. Yep. Uh, yep. That, that's a, a great response. Uh, Pastor, any other thoughts that you'd like to share uh, before we uh, end our time together? Well, I just know, based on my conversation with him, uh, when his wife went to be with the Lord, that um, while we're grieving, uh, he's whole. He's got no more pain. He put his faith in Christ, in Christ alone, and nothing else. And um, I know that he's been reunited with his dear wife, and uh, I know that's what he's been longing for for months since her home going. Mm-hmm. So I, I grieve for us. I think we can learn a lot from him, but I'm also happy for Vin uh, that he's whole and uh, with the Lord and with his wife and with his son. And that's what we can all look forward to if we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Exactly. Yeah. Pastor Sean Thornton, you are a senior pastor of uh, Calvary Community Church in Westlake. Thank you for joining us today on Southern California Live. Thank you very much, Scott. All right. God bless you. Thanks for for sharing all that today. Blessings. Blessings to you. You know, that is um, such a powerful word there. I've been wondering, you know, as I think about this, uh, you know, in his faith, that if he if he knew the Lord, you know how we say, you know, what's the Lord going to say? And we hope the Lord says, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. I like to think that the Lord, uh, in a different way, might have different words to say to each one of us, because the Lord knows us so well. And what I would like to think is that when Vin Scully walks into heaven, and in whatever it is, if it's a stairway, like the song, or if you're just not really like the song, if you're walking down a ramp, if you're walking in, I'd like to say that Jesus looked at him and said, and look who's coming up. And if you're a Dodger fan, you know what I mean uh, by that. I think it's just something so personal there. And we can learn so much from other people and the way they carry themselves about our identity. Identity is such a huge struggle for people today is who am I? And we're identifying ourselves by um, you know, our sexuality or our job or our political party or our views or different things like that, we really can be inspired by a guy like Vin Scully to be the person that God called us to be and not get too caught up in all of the other things. We're going to take a break here in just a minute, and uh, we'll talk about some other things and uh, some more Vin Scully. If you would like to share your comments and your thoughts, if you're thinking about him today, you can give me a call, 888-528-2557. You can call now. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. To join the conversation, call us at 888-528-2557. If you'd like to get the podcast, if you miss any hour of our program and you'd like to get the podcast, go to kkla.com, go to the program guide, look for Southern California Live. Podcast is right up there, usually posted shortly after the program is over. We're on every single day from three to five, and uh, it's always good to be with you and to be together and to take these moments that happen in the world and to realize that God is still in charge, God is on the throne, and there's always something we can learn. I'm Scott Furrow. This is the Wednesday edition of Southern California Live. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.